Blasting Incorporated, serving Downey, Central, and Midcoast, Maine, and located at 328 Bucksport Road, Ellsworth, 1-800-640-3515. Good morning, and welcome to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities to share what works to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Towns is produced with support from Cooperative Extension, the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine, with offices statewide. Cooperative Extension puts knowledge to work with the people of Maine, and like WERU, whose mission is to be a voice of many voices, operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, and our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio, in which those of us in the studio and you who are listening create a dialogue that we hope will be a benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. If you're one of the relatively few people who know where your food comes from, chances are that you stock your larder at one of 75 farmer's markets now active in Maine. And if your town has a farmer's market, you probably know that most of the dollars you spend there stay there, right there in your community. Um, this is Ron Beard. I'm hosting Talk of the Towns this morning. I'm glad to have some folks here with us who can talk about farmer's markets and how they connect people and communities to food. Um, we'll be joined um, in a moment by... Uh, Owned with uh, Russ Libby. Russell Libby is the uh, executive director of the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners um, uh, Organization uh, Association. Um, here in the studio, we ha- are glad to have uh, Daniel Price and Ginger Dermott of Freedom Farm. Welcome to both of you. And you brought your family with you. Um, so you may f- hear some other voices here on Talk of the Towns. Also in the studio is uh, Keith Small. Keith is with the Washington Hancock Community Aging Agency. Welcome to you, Keith. Thank you, John. And, um, Keith, you're, um, we'll be talking about it a little later. You're um, the prime sponsor of a, a major convention um, on farmers' markets uh, that's happening um, later this month. I look forward to talking more about it. Great. Well, let's start with an overview of, of, of kind of Maine's food systems with Russell Libby. Um, Russ, you're joining us by phone. Welcome to Talk of the Towns. Good morning. How are you? Good. Understand you have a cold, so we understand that that uh, may limit um, how how much you can say this morning. But we really appreciate your being with us, um, uh, Russell. You gave a talk at College of the Atlantic not too long ago, and it was great to hear um, how f- how we're doing as a, as a food systems and the and the role farmers markets play. Tell us a little bit about kind of the recent history of farmers markets. I understand we were probably down to to one farmers market in Maine um, not so many years ago. Yeah, when. When the resurgence of um, local food back to the land, um, organic farming, all started in the early 70s, Maine was down to its last farmer's market, um, or its last formal one, the Portland market, which has been going since at least the 1790s and perhaps before. And by 72, we started seeing new markets pop up. There was one in Bangor. Um, there was a, one in Holton. Um, there were a couple popping up uh, in the mid-coast. By the late 70s, we had about 20, uh, and I was just on the phone with Melissa White-Pillsbury, who does Mafka's marketing work, and there are um, five new markets trying for this year, and her current count is um, 85 markets around the state. Oh, that's wonderful. 
That's wonderful. Um, and, and as you've seen this develop, um, what are some of the things that have led to success for farmers markets? What would you say? I, I think one of them is obviously having a good community, a, a good community location. So if you're a farmer's market and you're out on the edge of town and you're on a mall parking lot, uh, off on the edge of the mall because you, you know, those people in the store don't want to com- you competing with their customers, that's a tough place to be. Um, but the markets that are in town or that are uh, easily accessible are doing very well. The markets where people can get there and turn it into a community event. So I think of uh, in-town Portland on Wednesday is now running um, close to 50 vendors on a good day. Um, Crystal Springs in Brunswick is running 40 to 50 vendors on a Saturday uh, at a remote location. But also some really nice successful um, small-town markets or smaller-town markets. Um, Belfast, when they shut down a street for a few hours, one day a month, it turns into a community event. So those connections between farmers and the rest of the business community really seem to be a big factor in, in helping markets be successful. We're going to talk with uh, Jim McConnell, who's an economist, um, a little later on, and he'll probably give us some uh, perspective on the role that uh, farmers' markets play for individual farms or for farms as a group. But what would your perspective be? What 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 are farmers' markets doing for individual farms well, um, here in Maine? Well, first, it's it's the natural incubator. So, um, one of my friends started his farming career by. Um, setting up a folding wooden ironing board at a very small town market, and he had almost nothing to sell, and he grew from there to a to a very successful market garden um, wholesale vegetable business. And farmers markets let people explore, find things that work for them, and then um, if they choose, specialize, or if not, they continue to grow their business and serve um, larger um, numbers of customers. Many of the the new young farmers who are emerging across the state use farmers markets as the place where they figure out what works for them. Mm. You know what they can grow well, what they can um, consistently offer, um, and it's also been a huge um, asset. And I think Keith can speak to this very well for people who are doing processing. You try out a recipe, you get feedback, you get direct feedback from your customers. They tell you that they like this or they don't like it, and then you can go onward and turn it into something that becomes a, a successful business. Mm. So it's a, th- this notion of incubator and the fact that uh, people are in direct contact with their customers. Well, the, the feedback mechanism is so important. Um, Stonewall Kitchens, which has become a huge business, a national business, um, started by going to the um, uh, Seacoast Farmers Markets in York and Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And they just kept trying recipes and getting feedback and used that to create um, a very large business. But a lot of farmers have, um, have used it to say, okay, this is, this is a core of my, of my farm operation, and I want to do these other things around the side. Mm. Um, so you can go in at any scale and find a, a place that works for you. Mm. You've uh, spoken about um, the farmers' markets, but you're also kind of watching general food systems, general food trends in Maine. Um, say a little bit of, uh, about that from your perspective um, in terms of, of people thinking about their food and where it comes from and, and uh, the importance of eating locally. Well, I, I think there are really three things that are exciting right now. One is the um, 
the census of agriculture just came out and showed an increase in the number of farms in Maine for the first time in several decades. Um, uh, about a 13% increase in farms and uh, almost a 50% increase in the amount of um, food sold directly to consumers, direct market sales. And most of those are happening at farmers markets. I, I think that's really um, exciting. Um, second, uh, Mafka has been running a uh, young farmer incubator, you might call it, with our Journey Person program. And um, we literally are doubling the number of uh, young people in that program this year. Uh, we've been bringing in 15 a year, and this year we ended up with 32 young people coming in who are part of our next generation of farmers, just like uh, Ginger and Daniel are. And I think it's really exciting to see that Maine is being recognized as a place where um, Farming is a viable option in a place where people can have a future. And and um, the the notion of of Mafka's role in that you've been um, there working on this issue. Um, what would you see your role um, besides the journeyman program? Uh, um, where else are you kind of trying to take this work? Yeah, the I think the other big piece that we all have to be thinking about is how we grow the base of um, people who are committed. Right now, um, we, as a, as a state, average about a dollar a week of spending directly on local foods, and a dollar a week per household. And uh, for a long time, I've been saying that if we could get people to spend $10 a week on local food, it would have a huge impact on our state's economy. And in, especially in a time when people are concerned about their jobs, concerned about um, food safety, um, concerned about having a direct connection with um, what they're eating, farmers markets are that, are that option for many people. And if we could um, get people to spend $10 a week, it would keep uh, something approaching $60 million a year, uh, I'm sorry, $300 million a year in the state economy. And that, so that listeners um, to this radio program and, and other events, um, they have a real role in, in, in supporting this food system. Well, it, it's a partnership. The farmers can't be there without the, without the people who want to eat, and the eaters can't get very much if there aren't farmers out there growing it. So uh, we need to work together to grow this. And we know there's a ton of interest. Um, the, the main seed companies are reporting sales uh, increases this year of 30% or more, and we're we're at a place where a lot of people um, realize that the economy we've been running on uh, isn't isn't working for many people. Um, someone recently described it, and I've been uh, as the uh, Wiley Coyote economy uh, <laughs> moment, where uh, all of a sudden we all realize we're off the cliff, and uh, some people haven't really figured out what it looks like down below. But I know that if you have connections with your farmers, it's not a it, not a huge fall. Um, but if you're not connected to your food system, to your energy supply, to the people who are um, doing the things you need in your daily lives, um, it's a pretty scary moment when you finally look down. Right. Well, Russell, thank you so much for being with us by phone. Um, and, uh, contact information for um, Maine Organic sure. Farmers and Gardeners. Yeah, um, the easiest way to catch us is um, through our website, mafka.org. Um, we have a ton of educational events happening all year round. Um, tomorrow, spring growth on growing grains at farm scale or home scale. Um, and we put out a weekly bulletin that you can get so you can catch up on the news um, any way you'd like. Great. Thanks, Thanks Ron. I'll listen in and, and uh, 
Thanks to all of you for all the hard work you're doing. Okay, thank you. Russell Libby of the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. I'm here in the studio as we talk about farmers' markets, how they connect people and communities to food. We're glad to have Daniel Price and Ginger Dermott of Freedom Farm from Freedom, Maine, and Keith Small of the Washington Hancock Community Agency. You may have um, a question or comment, so feel free to jot this number down and give us a call, 1-866-625-9378 or locally 469-0500 if you'd like to participate in this morning's Talk of the Towns. Well, let's get a kind of a profile of one farm that uh, participates actively in the farmer's market process. And uh, Daniel and and Ginger, um, uh, how would you want to describe your farm? If we were to drive up to your farm, what would people see? And and, uh, um, and, uh, then we can talk about farmer's markets. Daniel? Um, we primarily grow mixed vegetables, um, about 10 acres of uh, veggie production last season, um, and uh, we also keep a small flock of sheep relatively happy. Um, we have, uh, right now we have 16 lambs in the barn, um, and uh, we do five farmers markets. Uh, Belfast on Fridays, Uh, we do Portland on Wednesday and Saturday, Uh, a small market in Liberty on Thursday afternoon, and um, Orono on uh, Saturdays, Uh, (laughs) and then also a Bar Harbor market on Wednesdays uh, in the uh, Real Pizza parking lot um, called the Bar Harbor Green Market. So um, farmer's markets make up a big part of your weekly schedule. Yep, um, and more and more we've been trying to uh, get out of the, the wholesale business. Um, it seems like uh, having that uh, direct connection to your customer is a, is a, nice, is a nice opportunity for us and, and for the people who are purchasing the food. So with, with the, the, how do you balance the, the need to be out there at the farmer's markets and the need to be planting and, and weeding and all those kinds of things? Well, we we hire a uh, few people to help us out. Okay. Uh, and uh, is that at both ends with the farmers market yep, and with? Yep. Um, we try and have uh, you know about six people on the farm other than us, and part of that uh, experience is either um, joining uh, either Ginger or I at, at one of the markets we do, and then uh, a few of the markets are uh, we we give the responsibility to some of the people helping us to, to manage them. Mm. And the, the, when did you get started with a farmer's market? Did you get started as a farmer, or did you participate in a farmer's market um, before you started farming? Uh, we certainly uh, probably shopped a little bit at the farmer's market, but uh, it, was, it was more uh, we started growing in Bar Harbor on a small piece of land, um, and both of us uh, had spent time working at Beach Hill Farm, mm-hmm. um, and and I guess for me that was a little more the the turning point in my consciousness about it. Um, I grew up in the suburbs in Florida, so uh, even still down there, uh, the farmers market is is not a it's not something everybody's uh, going to, and and it's not very present, um, mm-hmm. and a lot of I think a lot of what you see at the farmers markets there is it's not uh, uh, a- actually the growers who are there. It's truck farmers and people 
you know, buying in large quantities of things and, and bringing them there and selling them possibly as the farmer. But mm-hmm. And Ginger, how did you get started? Um, had you always um, been interested in growing things? Um, not entirely. I actually started... Um, doing a lot of cooking is kind of where I was where I was at before I started farming and then realized that food is such a big part of being on the cooking end of things um, and Katya was young maybe two three and I decided to instead of being in a hot kitchen I'd rather be outside in the hot sun and that's when I went to Beach Hill Farm and worked there for a season met Daniel and so here we are mm. and um, and I, I love it. I love it. I love the connection with the community, with my customers, um, and the amazing quality of life that we have as a family on our farm. Mm. Talk a little bit about that connection to um, customers. Um, um, can you think of, of a story? You don't have to mention anybody's name, but think of a story that, that really stands out for you and how you connect with, with customers. Go ahead, dear. Yeah, I'll tell this story. <laughs> uh, last season, um, we were on our way to Portland. This was me and uh, one of our uh, girl who'd been with us for quite a while uh, helping out. And um, we get up awfully early uh, to go to Portland. The, we have a 17-foot box truck, and it is just loaded with veggies. And uh, we blew a tire out on the road. and On the highway. Uh, uh, right, on, the, on, on 95. Uh, and didn't have a spare. Patch kit wouldn't have done us much good because the tire was, was gone. And we got uh, towed to market. And... Uh, Everybody was more than willing to, you know, give us a little time to set up and and realize, you know, we weren't, we hadn't slept in. We just uh, <laughs> ran into some trouble on the road. And so two folks uh, who are have been longtime customers since we've been going to Portland and they're, they're actually CSA members came and they said, well, you know, what, what can we do for you? And I said, well, you know, if you could... If you could pick me up a jack um, so that I can get the tire off, and then when market's over, you know, I'll I'll run it over and get a new tire put on, and and so you know, as they say, fine, yeah, no problem, and and about you know, I don't know, I don't know how much time goes by because sometimes at the market it's it's busy and you're not paying attention, but at some point I walk back to the truck because we the truck couldn't they couldn't tow us right into the market, so I had to to walk over to get some stuff, and, and there's this guy, Bill, you know, who's, you know, probably hadn't changed a tire in a while, and he's out there sweating up a storm, and he had gone, he had taken the tire off, brought it over, got it, you know, got a new tire put on, and put it back on for us, so it was kind of one of those things where, it's, you know, it, they appreciate us enough, I guess, to 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 do all that, and I don't know. I'll come back to the question <laughs> that uh, Russell Libby raised in terms of the farmer's market being an incubator for w- what works in terms of your market. But first, we do have a uh, phone call. You can participate as well if you'd like to uh, call one 625 9378 Here on Talk of the Towns, we're talking about farmer's markets and how they connect people and communities to food. But we have a caller. Go ahead with your question or comment, please. Hi, Ron. This is uh, Greg Bayou from Bar Harbor. <laughs> I had... Uh, the good fortune of being uh, part of establishing the Bar Harbor or the Eden's Farmers Market, I guess, almost 12 years ago. And I think that the, uh, 
some of the important factors here to establishing that market was uh, the fact that we did have the, the help of the Hancock County Cooperative Extension, and Jim McConnell was a, was a great source in uh, providing us with information and uh, helping us get in uh, the Bar Harbor's farmer's market going. What, what, what was your motivation to, to get involved in, in that, uh, Greg, uh, as you brought that t- together? Well, I fortunately grew up in areas where I had the opportunity to have a, a small-scale uh, community or uh, family farm. And when I moved to Bar Harbor, I did not have that opportunity. So and I looked to see where our local farmer's market was, and at that point I found out that we did not have one and. Uh, that's the point we started to investigate what it was going to take to make that happen. So um, you probably had a number of different hoops to jump through. Why don't you describe the, the process? I'm glad, so glad you could call and, and tell us about that because um, I know the convention that's coming up, and Keith Small will talk about that. One of the, the aspects is what's the bridge between uh, community and, and, in some cases, community government and um, farmer's market? So tell us the story of, of what it took to get that farmer's market uh, created, the first farmer's market there in Bar Harbor. Certainly. Well, uh, we had land use ordinances uh, at that point that prohibited uh, sale uh, on public property. So uh-huh. you could not sell uh, an outside venue, and it was more protecting uh, the town from, say, the hot dog vendor selling on a corner street in Bar Harbor. Now, once we brought that to the town council and the planning board, They were very interested in the idea. We were able to create an ordinance or an amendment to an ordinance that would allow the sale of uh, farmers' products that were produced here in Maine. So there were some strict regulations and hoops that we had to abide by in order to sell the product here in Bar Harbor. Mm. And and so was, was once you explained the need, um, people were relatively responsive, or were some, was there some opposition? Well, there certainly was opposition, and I guess the uh, the the one opposition that I remember the most was the uh, the individual who did not want sheep, pigs, or goats running around in our town. <laughs> so they think that it was a real uh, you know we had to inform them what the farmer's market consisted of. And so they were thinking of a livestock market. I think that they were, <laughs> yes. That's great. Well, um, so what happened? You got the, the changes in the, in the ordinances. Um, how did you get the first um, market set up? Well, again, with the collaboration with Jim McConnell and uh, his affiliation with the farmer's market in Orono, we were able to uh, kind of put the uh, word out to local farmers that we were interested in opening a market here in Bar Harbor. We had tremendous you know, success from the farmers in getting back to us, wanting to, uh, wanting to participate in the, in the market here in Bar Harbor. And you know, right now we have probably 15 farmers who show up on Sunday morning. It has spurred the Wednesday morning farmer's market at Real Pizza. It's just truly been uh, a benefit to uh, the town of Bar Harbor, to the visitors of Bar Harbor who are not residents, who you know, have heard about this market and the success of it. They've really 
you know, supported it wholeheartedly. So if you could, uh, listeners who haven't been to that particular market, describe what you would see on a Sunday morning, let's say in, in uh, um, late July, say, if we were to go down and tell us where the location is. Well, first and foremost, I think that what you see is that people walking to the farmer's market, it's, uh, it's in Bar Harbor, we are a walking community, so that we do have a lot of, uh, a lot of the participants of the market walking to the farmer's market, which is, you know, certainly, you know, an eco-friendly way of, of getting to our farmer's market. But you will see a public gathering place. I think it's a community uh, event that goes on when the markets are, are taking place. It's friends meeting friends. It's, you know, restauranteurs beefing up for their upcoming, uh, you know, week of uh, business. It's, you know, the the smell of fresh produce, it's the, you know, it's the taste of, you know, fresh baked goods that are being made. It truly is, uh, you know, uh, an opportunity for us to uh, participate in something that's very organic, that's very back to, back to earth, that's, you know, given us a, a real opportunity to have a, a visual and sensual, uh, you know, experience when we go to these markets. So you're, you're also a business owner, and now you're on the town council. So um, you, you've kind of uh, taken this wholeheartedly. Um, what would you say the farmer's market contributes to the overall town? Well, the farmer's market has, again, it, it has linked the community together. It's, it's a gathering place that, uh, you know, people get together. It's, mm. it, it's just the, it's the importance of... Uh, allowing us to get together as a community. If you were to give advice to uh, communities that don't have a farmer's market now um, and needing to approach um, local government to, to make that work, what would you say to them? Well, I, I think that first and foremost is to, is to talk to your, your cooperative extension. There is experienced individuals there who can help you uh, get in touch with, you know, the links that you need to have to, to make it happen. But it's an opportunity to to, re to to look at our land use ordinance and to make amendments that really allow people the opportunity to know where their food is coming from, to eat healthy, to you know uh, just connect with the farmers. Great. Great. Well, thanks, Greg, for being with us here on Talk of the Towns. You're very welcome. That was Greg Bayou, who's a town council member in the town of Bar Harbor, a business owner, and he was one of the first supporters and organizers of, of uh, the farmer's market that happens on a Sunday. Our guests in the studio um, are, are uh, folks who have used the Wednesday um, Bar Harbor uh, uh, farmer's market, Daniel Price and Ginger Dermott. Um, what would you say, in, in, in listening to Greg um, talk about it, how does your experience connect with what Greg, some of the things that Greg was saying? Ginger? Um, well, I, I absolutely agree with, with that, um, that sense of community of, of coming together, and there's nothing more incredible than seeing, you know, the, these people that, the customers that we know, we know their names, and, you know, mm -hmm. we know their children, and we know the names of their dogs, and, you know, um, what their favorite vegetable is, and um, there's just this, this really nice kind of cooperation that mm. goes on between the vendors, the farmers, and the community members um, that I think is just 
I think for me is one of one of the things that drives me mm. in in doing this. So, does your connection with customers um, help you decide what to plant and and what to grow? Um, that notion that this the farmers market is an incubator for for your market. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And I and I, you know, what we grow sometimes can vary from season to season. Things things change. People's interests change. Um, it's it's uh. It takes a lot of organizing. Mm. There are, you know, there's some markets where, where some things do well, and at another market, maybe that particular vegetable doesn't doesn't do as well. And um, so it's it's nice having that connection with each individual market. And I know my own experience um, says that a farmer can help um, a customer understand what some different food varieties are that they might not have tried or used, and help them kind of make that connection to their own food system. So um, it's an educational process mm-hmm. that probably works both ways. Yeah, one thing that we do um, is we like to put out recipes um, with our produce. So. Um, it'll encourage people to try new things, um, which which is really great, and that's been a great success. Um, and it also helps to promote, you know, our recipes we get from restaurants mm. in, in the community. So um, it helps to you know promote those restaurants as well. So are some of your customers at any of your markets restaurants, um, or is oh. that is that is a large por- portion? How does that mix work between individual um, households and restaurants for your market? Um, absolutely. We have a lot of um, restaurants that come and will shop at the market. Um, and that makes me really excited because, you know, the it makes me know and understand that the quality of food that is being served in these local restaurants, it's, it's great. Mm, and we know. don't have a restaurateur in this particular uh, <laughs> panel, but I'm sure what they're saying is they're really happy to be able yeah. to say to their customers, our food comes from... Freedom Farm or from some other place that they know the, the farmers. Right, right. And know. I mean, restaurants, that's, they're making their money on how their food tastes mm. and fresh food. You know, you can't get anything better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> tastes so good. We're here on Talk of the Towns this morning. We're talking about how farmers markets connect people and communities to food in a short time. Um, we, we'll invite your calls as, as well, um, 1-866-625-9378 or locally 469-0500. Perhaps you have experience or questions um, that you'd like to share on Talk of the Towns. But right now we're going to talk with Jim McConnon. James McConnon is a, an economist with University of Maine Cooperative Extension, one of my colleagues. Welcome to Talk of the Towns, Jim. Hey, good morning, Ron. Welcome, uh to the guests as well. Thanks, um, Jim. You've you've kind of studied the the, the farmers markets um, as an economist for a number of years. What would you What would you say you're seeing um, uh, as a trend? We heard from Russell Libby about some of the trends he was seeing. What are, What are you seeing as trends in terms of farmers markets? Well, there's a lot of trends uh, we can look at. First of all, in the number of of farmers markets um, in Maine, um, they've been uh, growing uh, on a steady basis. Um, for many years, um, some of the data that I've looked at back in 1990, for example, we had 26 organized farmers markets that jumped to 54, and uh, at least according to the uh, Maine Department of Ag, uh, about 75 today, and uh, uh, maybe even more. I think. Yeah, Russ Levy said 85 at this point. Yeah, it's still counting. I, I guess I would say. Um, so the one trend is we we have a, an increasing number of farmers markets. Um, also, we have a trend in uh, direct marketing uh, to consumers, um, particularly uh, with agricultural products, uh, farm products. Uh, in Maine, for example, um, uh, we have uh, uh, farm uh, stores, 
um, generating sales directly to customers. We have farm stands, which are very popular and have been so for a long time. Um, your own operations, consumer-supported agriculture, just a variety of ways um, in which uh, farmers can uh, sell uh, directly uh, to consumers. And, you know, there's been, you know, much of the growth in, in farming in Maine has uh, been tied into um, uh, direct consumer marketing uh, as opposed to wholesale marketing uh, for a variety of economic reasons. And um, so those, those trends uh, continue um, and mirror, really, the national trends um, uh, in farmers' markets, which have, have been growing. I think the latest data I saw, uh, we had an 8, uh, 7 or 8% increase in the number of farmers' markets um, uh, nationally. And so uh, Maine fits nicely into those trends. And uh, you've done some research in terms of, of um, the kind of the experience from the farmer's end. What, what do farmers' markets and other kind of direct um, uh, sales to customers mean to farms in Maine? That's a great question. Um, is, uh, let, me, let me first directly kind of respond to that based on, on my own research and, and observations, and then, and then um, I'll talk a little bit about um, um, some of the, the statewide effects. Um, from, the, from the farm perspective, obviously, um, it, it is a way for farmers to sell their products um, directly uh, to consumers. Um, they capture the retail price uh, for their products, which obviously in, improves profitability. Uh, it also increases cash flow. Um, and for those of us that work with businesses, we realize how important cash flow is as, as is profitability. But again, you know, you're, you're generally getting paid uh, immediately as opposed to having to, to wait over time. And um, so, you know, the, the, the benefit here really is uh, allowing farmers to um, uh, practice um, customer-focused uh, marketing uh, from a, an economic standpoint. As I said, it, it improves profitability, improves cash flow, but it also um, um, allows farmers to develop relationships with their customers, um, which in today's um, age is extremely important, and develop, you know, a, lo a loyalty base that um, has shown to uh, have grown, and um, looking down the road will will continue uh, to grow. Well, Daniel Price was um, commenting earlier that they're um, trying to shift away from wholesale to retail. Daniel, is that um, the reason that that you are are picking up um, more customers and and that cash flow process? Um, I, I guess our the wholesaling that we do is not, um, you know, to like the Hannaford okay. or, or Whole Foods. So we, we're talking more restaurants and smaller natural food stores. Um, so it's not, it's definitely not a cash flow issue because usually, I mean, we are getting paid in a timely uh -huh. fashion yep. and, and things like that. But it's, uh, I think just like I mentioned, it's that it's that direct connection. It, it, it's it's also that oftentimes, and not to uh, offend any of our restaurant customers, but a lot of the restaurants that are focused on purchasing local organic food are are higher end, um, so they're not as accessible to everybody. And and I think we would like our food to be accessible to everybody. Mm. So. Jim, what else are you seeing in terms of, of trends? And I, I suppose one of the other things is the is the rise of uh, community-supported agriculture that um, really improves cash flow. Oh, that, there's no question about that, and that has been rising. And the other the other real benefit uh, 
at the at the producer level is the, the ability to to you know add another marketing tool um, to their wheel and help in in you know local diversification. Um, like any business, you don't want to have all your eggs in one basket. I think it's important to diversify. Many of them, uh, the farmers that I know and have worked with and and have been involved with this direct marketing study that that uh, I was uh, involved in, um, have four or five uh, different. Um, spokes in that wheel. In other words, they they do mostly direct marketing, but they may sell on the farm stand or through the farm store. They may do some farmer's market activities. They may also have a CSA, and they cater to different market segments. Uh, In some cases, in other cases, they just uh, have a variety of different methods for meeting customer needs. And the other thing to think about with with economic impacts of farmer's markets, you, you do have this impact to the farmer, obviously, uh, vis-a-vis uh, profitability, um, and that comes through connections with with uh, customers and those and those other things. But they also uh, create jobs. They also indirectly stimulate the economy by um, uh, helping to create sales of of others that that provide uh, services and products uh, to those farmers. And um, for those farmers markets that are that are in a downtown setting, uh, they they. Uh, stimulate um, downtown development, and uh, I read a, a recent uh, survey result uh, from a rapid market assessment that was done in Montpelier. Just one day, uh, they found that that the um, average farmers market customer spent an additional twenty-seven dollars um, in in the stores uh, in the downtown. Uh, this is on top of the expenditures at the farmers market. So. You know, you've got a variety of other effects, and uh, also farmland preservation. I mean, so there's there's a lot of ways to really look at the economic uh, effects and, and impacts of farmers markets from the farmer themselves and the consumers, of course, because they they benefit um, uh, through these other different actors. Great. Well, it sounds like diversification both of of markets and diversification of of products. Um, And at some point, Jim, we'll get you back on Talk of the Towns and we'll talk about some of your interesting work about farms and, and what might be called ecotourism. Great. Thank you very much. Jim Jim McConnon with the University of Maine Cooperative Extension um, up in Orono, and uh, he's an economist that's really looked at uh, uh, farms and farmers' markets uh, over the past uh, 20 years or so. Um, we're going to talk with Keith Small in just a minute, but I'll list our phone numbers in case uh, you folks have uh, questions or comments or you're, you want to share your experience. Perhaps there's a farmer out there or perhaps there's a, a customer of a farmer's market that would like to share their experience here on Talk of the Towns. The uh, toll-free number is one 866 6259378. Well, Keith, let's bring you into the conversation. Um, get right there up to the next to the to the microphone. Um, with Washington Hancock Community Agency, I think you've long had an uh, interest in uh, local agriculture and that has led you to create this this convention that's coming up. So talk a little bit about the history of of WHCA Washington Hancock Community Agency's their interest in food and farming and bring us up to date. Well, uh, the Downey's Business Alliance, that's a division of the Washington Hancock Community Agency, has been working to support uh, small businesses, microenterprises for a number of years. And we'd offer uh, workshops and networking opportunities. And more and more uh, farmers and local food producers were showing up as uh, participating in these. So they were really thinking about how can I market my business? How can I uh, profit more? You know, what is the profit margin and how, what do I need to 
you know, what are my expenses in my business and how do I calculate all that? And so as more of them started showing up at all these events, we realized that the uh, food producers and agriculture were a significant part of our local economy. And <clears throat> excuse me. And so we uh, decided uh, to offer different workshops and opportunities for farmers and farmers markets and particularly uh, decided to offer the main farmers market convention that's coming up next Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And there's going to be a number of great speakers talking about uh, uh, marketing and uh, farmers markets in their area and how to sell and how to use and uh, credit cards and and debit cards and how to accept uh, e um, electronic benefit transfer cards and things like that. As you mentioned, there's going to be uh, municipal officials talking. Um, they are talking about how they helped farmers markets get started in their communities and what the issues were. Uh, so this is going to be a great opportunity for farmers and, and other vendors uh, of farmers markets. Uh, even a craft, uh, some farmers markets often have a few craftspeople and weavers, and they're welcome to participate uh, in this uh, convention as well to learn more how they can uh, market their products more effectively. Mm. And um, you represent a region, um, Washington and Hancock counties, where um, local um, agriculture is really growing. It certainly is. I think in our two counties, there's 12 or 13 farmers markets uh, that are are, are uh, operating now, that will be operating this summer. And uh, some of them are very small, of course, as you get into these small rural towns, but, but some of them are quite significant. Stonington, for example, has a a large farmer's market uh, where they have, oh, 30 or 40 vendors that come down there. So it's really a, a major event in Stonington. And in Ellsworth, it's a growing uh uh, farmers market. Uh, they, uh, one, uh, Russ, I think mentioned uh, a location is important. Well, the Ellsworth Farmers Market now has uh, um, has been using at least last season a downtown space uh, in addition to its uh, space that's a block or two off Main Street, and that has really helped them to become much more visible. And uh, their customers, are <coughs> excuse me, their customers are, are really very supportive. When we did a rapid market assessment at those markets, the customers were always saying wonderful things. We're so glad it's here. It's good to have fresh food. The community is fun uh, and giving some great suggestions. And a lot were also asking, too, for seafood. And Maine is, a, especially this area, we're in a, right on the coast, they are asking for uh, seafood to also be available at their farmer's market. Stonington has one. Others are trying to get a seafood vendor to come in and be part of their market. I heard a great story at the Fisherman's Forum last weekend, and uh, um, someone was describing the Gloucester experience, and they have a fish slam at their farmer's market. <coughs> so what happens is that the fisherman brings in um, a, a species of fish, and there are two chefs. And the chef doesn't know what kind of fish it's going to be. It might be monkfish. It may be something else. And they've got, um, they, they're told that they can bring two or three ingredients to the farmer's markets. But everything else they have to buy at the market. And they're to put together a meal. Wow. And it, it promotes new fish that people might not have used, but it also um, creates great sales in the farmer's market. So there's an idea that you can, you can uh, take to the convention next Absolutely. weekend. Absolutely. Let's take a call. We have a call from our listeners. Um, go ahead with your question or comment, please. Hey, uh, my name is Joe Parada from Winterport. I'm a clam farmer. Great. And uh, what I'm looking at, I, I'm working with the state or maybe like trying to get the state to allow harvesters and agriculturists to sell at farmer's markets. Mm. 
And you, are um, you running into some roadblocks, or are people interested in that concept? Well, there are roadblocks, and there are people interested. So um, I'm actually starting to get involved with the CF, CSFs, and I'll probably be doing that some this summer. But uh, there's some new rules that uh, have come from the FDA and the USDA about harvesters no longer being able to sell directly to restaurants and uh, and uh, fish markets. Hmm. That happened about a year and a half ago. Is that and it also disallows us. We can sell from our house. I see. But we can't legally sell from, from uh, say, our car on the side of the road like you might see a shrimp salesman or something like that. So is that um, shrimp, can, shrimp salesman can do that, but you can't as a clam, clam farmer? Well, I don't know exactly how the rules work with them, but in order for me to do... Under current rules, which I think can be changed uh-huh. um, without too much difficulty, just departmental budgets and, and uh, not just, but departmental budgets and uh, enfor- not, uh, enforcement being related to the budget and traceability. Sure. Because we, uh, we, you know, we're, we're consumers as well as producers, and, and when we're consumers, we want that food to be safe, so we, we want that kind of traceability um, built into it. Yeah. Um, what was your question before that? I'm sorry. Well, um, just um, if you've got um, roadblocks, um, but you've also got people interested in this this concept, um, can you can you can you see a way forward? Uh, yes, actually, uh, I'm going to be talking a little bit with uh, at the Shellfish Working Group down in uh, Walpole at the Darling Center next week with uh, people related, and I've been talking with the department people quite a bit. And, and how, about, I, how, about, how about conversations with farmers markets? Um, have you um, had... I, only briefly, I was at the Mosca uh, CF CSF meeting, CSA meeting over at the Unitarian Church. Uh-huh. Oh, two three weeks ago, and there's definitely some good interest in it. So, well, we'll we'll um, make note of that, and maybe we'll we'll uh, uh, have a, a future program around community supported clams. Well, it'd be just like a CSA. That's right. <laughs> Great. But yeah, well, but I'm really interested in doing the farmers market thing, and I and I'm working on it, and I, I I'm hoping I know that I have the ear of the commissioner, great, or at least his, uh, at least I got a little burr under his saddle, so we'll <laughs> see how that all goes. Great. <laughs> good luck with your work. Hey, good show. Thank you. One eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight or locally four six nine zero five zero zero. If you have a question or a comment, um, tell, share your experience with farmers markets in Maine. That's what we're talking about this morning. We have um, in the studio with us Keith Small of the Washington Hancock Community Agency, also uh, Daniel Price and Ginger Dermott of Freedom Farm in Freedom and. You hear Nina as well, so we're glad to have Nina in the studio with us. Um, what, um, as, as we round this out, Keith, you want to say more about um, the work that you anticipate um, coming out of the convention? What are your hopes that will, um, will come out of this convention that you're having next weekend? Well, we certainly uh, are hopeful that uh, markets in, uh, in our area specifically, but all across Maine, will will come out of uh, the convention having some real good ideas about how they can in- improve their markets. I mean, they're all real good now, but they can learn some new tricks about uh, displaying their products and, uh, you know, keeping a, a full table and, and customer service. And we have a great uh, speaker, Greg Franklin, that's going to talk about word-of-mouth marketing and also uh, – talk to people about how even when they get complaints, uh, those complainers end up 
if you work it right, can be your best customers in mm. the long run. Mm. And, and rather than just kind of blowing them off and saying, well, they don't understand. And so Greg is going to be there talking about that. And I also wanted to mention, too, uh, related to the last caller, is that one of the speakers at the uh, convention is going to be, uh, or panelist, rather, Marshall Piper. And he is a, a consumer protection inspector for the Department of Agriculture. And his position relates to those who deal in uh, retail food, commercial processes, mobile uh, vending, home food manufacturing, and HACCP regulations, investigations, and so on. So, uh, you know, there'll be a pe people there to, that will want to hear these concerns, and, I, and they're very interested in how can they help farmers' markets improve. They're not there to, to regulate people out of business. They mm -hmm. really want to figure out a way to make things happen so the community can benefit from the wonderful food and products that we have here in Maine. Mm -hmm. And uh, Daniel and Ginger, I understand you're going to this convention. What are you hoping to get out of it? Ginger? Um, my, well, one of my interests uh, is I'm, I'm interested in, in um, being able to accept the EBT cards. Um, I think that, that uh, it would be nice if, if our food was more accessible to people who um, can't afford it otherwise. And not to say that our food is necessarily expensive. Um, I think that most customers would find a farmer's market can be very affordable. Um, but I think that that um, there's a, there's a lot of health in our food when it's local, um, and that it's really important for that to reach out to to other people who can't otherwise afford it. So by going, you're going to um, learn some tricks of the trade, perhaps. You may <laughs> learn some technical information <laughs> about how to accept um, these. Uh, these cards are called E. What do they stand for, Keith? What's EBT? Electronic benefit transfer and it's uh, you know food stamp recipients okay. uh, used to be the uh, paper vouchers and now they transferred it to a card okay and it's so it's used just like a credit or a debit card but you, you need either a machine or to call in a number and it isn't an easy process but I think with improving technology and some of the speakers that are going to be at the convention are going to talk about how it worked for them so it can be an easier process for the farmer and actually grow your business great I suppose when you're at a farmers market you're not only paying attention to the customer but to other farmers and what they're doing. So you probably pick up good practices just by observing the other farmers. Anything that you've, you've kind of um, known about or kind of picked up in terms of how to display your food or um, what, would you, what advice would you have for a farmer who's, who's perhaps the first time going to a farmer's market? Daniel? Uh, apple boxes and burlap. <laughs> are, uh, Why is that? That's a trick that we picked up uh, when we started uh, kind of doing a bunch of markets around the state. Um, it allows you to not have uh, a truck full of coolers. Um, essentially, if you if you have some refrigeration at home, um, you uh, you can wet those burlap boxes. Uh, I'm sorry, wet those apple boxes and then wet the burlap uh -huh. and uh, put your stuff in the cooler. And uh, even on a really hot summer day. That will stay nice and chilly if it's not opened, and it, it also ends up being a, a nice way to display your, your product instead of uh, plastic bins or, you know, even just having lots of different random baskets around it. It's sort of, it, it's, a, it, it's a little bit of uniformity, but it, it's, it's classy. Yeah. Real nice. How, how about pricing food? That must be uh, kind of a challenge for any, any bit small business person, but how do you figure out um, what um, works in terms of, of prices? If you go too low, 
you know, um, you don't make as much money. If you go too high, you scare customers away. What's the balance that you, you use as you try to price, uh, price your food? Uh, certainly one thing is, is keeping an eye on, on what's happening in the uh, supermarkets. Uh-huh. Um, and we tend to like to price our things uh, certainly a little bit lower than what uh, you'd be paying for something that's certified organic from California. Um, and, and oftentimes, I think, when you, when you really look at the prices, especially the way the, the price of food was last summer, uh, sometimes we're lower than uh, the conventional products. Um, but it, it's also, you know, what the market will bear, um, what other people are charging, you know, you... You don't want to, uh, like you say, go too low because then you're not making your money and then you also might be sort of disrupting the balance of the market. Um, but, uh, it, you know, it's we kind of, I, I think we kind of look a, a lot at the big picture of um, what we need to see happen on an acre of food. Mm. Um, mm. And, and as long as we're, we're hitting that mark, we're, we're pretty happy and comfortable. So you have a, a number of different ways to get to that target because yep. you've got different markets. Right. Yeah. And you, you know what you need to get for an acre of food so that you have a, a, a living and, and, you, and you have that multiple kind of factor. Um, Ginger, yeah. you said you started out um, uh, using uh, food products to make things. Are you doing any kind of processing um, to bring things to market that way? Um, Well, we don't have, uh, like, a commercial kitchen or any kind of processing license or anything like that. Um, But I do, because I do like to cook so much, I I do like to share ideas with my customers, um, which, you know, I just, I love doing because I feel like I I have such a love of cooking and love of farming that um, it kind of goes hand in hand. Great, great. So uh, certainly as we see farmer's markets springing up, you, we see the combination of things where you're bringing um, fresh vegetables and, and things, but we're also seeing people who are uh, adding value to those, and that probably adds to the to, to the farm income stream. I'll, I'll also mention we, we did just buy a, a lunch card <laughs> with uh-huh. a, a friend of ours, um, and um, right now the plan is to just be uh, running it on Wednesdays in Portland and Monument Square. Um, but that's all, all local, all local food. products. Um, yep. So that's kind of an exciting new business venture for mm-hmm. us. Great. I'll come back to you uh, just before we close, but I'm going to go to Keith and, and ask him to share some details on how people get in touch with, with uh, the Farmers Market Convention that's coming up. How would people register and, and uh, what information could you give us there? Uh, thank you, Ron. There's a couple of ways to do that. Uh, certainly go to our website downeastbiz.org, all one word, downeastbiz.org, and click on Farm to Market, and there's all the information about the speakers, the wonderful food we're going to be serving. Uh, so you're going to try to serve Maine-based food as Absolutely, well. yep. as much as possible, and it's going to be at, at um, Acadia National Park uh, in Winter Harbor near Scudic Point, so they are going to be uh, uh, having serving meals um, throughout the weekend, so it'll ha- be good food. And uh, also, you can call four seven nine. That's two zero seven four seven nine nine seven five four. So downeastbiz.org or four seven nine. Nine seven five four to find out more information and to register. Great, and Keith, why don't we um, start with you as we as we begin to wrap up? 
what, what are your hopes for the, the farmers markets in Maine? What would you hope um, the future would look like for them? Uh, well, we're the, uh, the the Downey's Business Alliance, so we really want to see these uh, farmers and food processors and vendors at these markets uh, be profitable. And um, we want them to make a good living from it so that they uh, can, can keep offering us this wonderful good food. And so we hope they come away with good ideas and, and opportunities and make the connections. And there's going to be a lot of networking at this uh, convention with resource people and with other farmers and other vendors. <clears throat> but we want to see them uh, you know, be able to make a good living at it. Great. Um, Daniel, we'll go to you. What, what would your hope be for the future of farmers markets here in Maine? Um, I guess I would like to see things uh, opening up a little bit. Um, if Say what you mean by yeah, that. Yeah, if there's farmers listening, they, they know what we mean. Um, many of the markets around the state, um, there's a lot of protectionism going on. Mm. And, um, you, you know, there, there are two schools of thought. One would be the less vegetable vendors there are in the farmer's market, the more money we're going to make because we're the only vegetable vendors or we're one of a few. Um, the other school of thought would be uh, the more the merrier. And, and what we found in the markets that we do, uh, the ones that are more open, uh, the uh, customer has a better experience and all the vendors still seem to be doing just fine. I remember the story of, of uh, antiques in Hollowell. You know, if you have one antique store, you get a little bit of trickle. But if you've got a dozen antique stores, you get a big, big um, kind of uh, rush of, of customers. Mm -hmm. Ginger, anything you want to add in terms of your hopes, briefly? I just want to say thank you to all of our customers, um, that they are the biggest, you are the biggest part of what we do, and without your support, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing, so thank you. Great. And that's a good reminder for WERU. We're in our pledge drive. Um, you know the numbers. Um, we couldn't do what we do here without your support, so I hope you'll pay att attention to our need for funds at this uh, time of year and, and give us a call. We've come to that time when I want to remind you that this program was produced with support from Cooperative Extension and the Hancock County Extension Association. With offices in each county, Cooperative Extension is the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine. Our radio collaboration with WERU began in 1990 and continues with your support. Join us from 10 to 11 on the second and fourth Fridays of each month for Talk of the Towns. Our theme music is a medley from Coronach on a Balnane House Highland Music recording. Thanks to our guests um, today, Russell Libby of the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association, Jim McConnon of the University of Maine Cooperative Extension here in the studio. We had Daniel Price and Ginger Dermott of Freedom Farm in Freedom, Maine. Greg Bayou of the Bar Harbor Town Council joined us by phone, and we're thankful for Keith Small of the Washington Hancock Community Agency. Thanks to those who, of you who listened and called in. Thanks to our underwriters. Thanks to Joel Mann for engineering our program. And stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. This is Ron Beard, your host for Talk of the Towns, wishing you a great morning. Support for Talk of the Towns comes from the Maine Community Foundation for 25 years partnering with donors and nonprofits and communities statewide to strengthen Maine through grants and scholarships on the web at maincf.org. In 2008, Nicholas Burns retired after serving 27 years in the U.S. State Department. 